use your power. Use that privilege and power that you have to take up space and shift conversations and demand that people are honored and respected. Welcome and join me for an insightful conversation as I chat with Kel Moody, founder of Alluvium Gatherings and the chair of Be Local PDX. Kel is also an advocate for LGBTQ plus rights. We chatted about the importance of visibility, inclusion and support for the queer community. We explore the role businesses can play in fostering equity, the significance of authentic engagement beyond just statements, and the power of collaboration in the purpose-driven business community. Kel also emphasizes the value of a strong sense of place and wisdom learned from Indigenous communities. Listen to the full episode to gain valuable insights on how we all can make a positive impact, not just during Pride Month, but all year round. Kel, thank you. First off, thank you so much for making the time. I'm super excited to, to have you on the show um, and to learn a little bit more about what you do uh, and uh, and share that with with our audience. So to kind of kick us off, can you share with us a bit about Alluvium Gatherings? Yeah, so I started Alluvium just within this past year and it came out of work that I've already been doing uh, around helping communities organize gatherings and events and community building opportunities, movement building opportunities. And I've had, you know, quite, quite a lot of fun with the experience that I've developed. Maybe, I don't know, time is irrelevant these days, isn't it? But, um, you know, for the past, I'd say like five to six, maybe seven years or so, I've been doing work in the event space. And I just find it to be one of the most effective ways to build momentum around an idea or an intention or a goal um, or just building community. Um, Shared experiences to me are just such a powerful way of uh, of getting kind of people to unite around something and to feel validation and feel a sense of belonging. And so I just. I'm really passionate about creating those opportunities for people um, and doing it in a really thoughtful way that's going to maximize their experience and that that opportunity to really build those connections and build that community. Um, and so I, I get I get really nerdy about spreadsheets and tracking things and, you know, all the like logistical project management type stuff, but I also just love the design of the experience. So it's really a way for me to um, share my my gift with the world um, and to offer um, the skills that I have to kind of help other people move their ideas forward. And so I've been doing that and and that's kind of what I, I view Alluvium as. That's amazing. I love that. And I, I'm so curious thinking about events, event planning and the way that it can bring people together. I mean, we just came or are still navigating the, you know, 
effects of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. How has that impacted your ability to kind of create those like what what I would describe or what I'm hearing is almost like magic, right? Like to be mm-hmm. able to like build those connections and and build momentum and movements and all of that. Yeah, I mean, hugely affected it. Um, I think, you know, it's, I think we really, there's a few things. I think we realized from that being kind of that forced isolation almost um, that human connection is so important. Mm. Um, I think even introverts, um, I am not an introvert. I'm an extroverted introvert, but um, I, I even like introverts, I think we're really like, wow, it's hard not to even ever have engagement with people. You know, you think about mm-hmm. just in your average daily life, how many people you just engage with on a, on a normal you know, daily basis, just going out in the world when you can't do that. It's like, it's pretty significant. So I think people were really starving for opportunities to connect with people. So I really, I really leaned into the the virtual event space, um, did a lot of work trying to get good at live streaming and kind of doing something that's beyond just a, a Zoom event. You know, how can we create a, an elevated production um, that's going to really feel like a, a more engaging experience? And then also, you know, did a lot of things where, you know, people were having an opportunity to, to chat with other people and share ideas and stories. And, um, you know, it, it's definitely not the same as being in, in person, but when that's your only option, it can be a really great way to feel connection. Um, so I did a lot of virtual events. Uh, I did like a, a virtual festival um, for two, two of the years, 2020 and 2021. Uh, that was five to seven days depending on the year and had you know 40 to 60 different sessions within it and it was called the festival of what works and so it was telling stories of of solutions based ideas and what people are doing to kind of solve the challenges of our time and that also included some like workshop opportunities and some integration opportunities so there were both um present and present presentations of ideas and opportunities to kind of engage and talk with other people about that. So that was a big piece. And then I think now that we're on this side of it, I think people are so starved for interaction and connection Mm -hmm. that, you know, events are, it feels like a a adrenaline rush. Um, It's like you get around people that, you know, you can, feel a sense of belonging with and you're like oh my gosh this feels so good and I think that that is is really an interesting um just thing to aware to be aware of to kind of an observation it's like okay this is a pretty key part of of human existence um and so I think it's been really I think there's a different level of appreciation for it now. That's so cool I'm I have to ask I'm so curious that event sounds amazing Mm -hmm. did you have any like Oh my gosh, like, uh, did you care about any of those kind of solutions to help shape our future that really had an impression on you? Oh, so many. I think one central line that I'm really inspired by is um, the, like, the fact that there's a lot of focus on mentorship for youth. Mm. Um, I think in a lot of different spaces, um, 
particularly I see it a lot in indigenous communities. There's like this huge and beautiful focus on raising youth to be the next leading generation. It's like such an important job for elders and, and adults. And I think that approach is really inspiring. Um, and it's something that I think is, it, it really makes a whole lot of sense when you think enough about it, that, mm-hmm. you know, it's time well spent um, is time engaging youth in and helping them feel empowered and helping them feel like they have the capacity and the skills and the support uh, to, to create change. Not to say that we put all of the responsibility onto the youth, but I think setting them up for success um, is, is really powerful. And just to see young people get so excited and engage in ways that they might not have done or had the opportunity to do without a little bit of encouragement from some older folks. So I think that's a really great way to approach any solution. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I know my, my, one of my friend's kiddos just graduated high school, which blows my mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they grow up so fast, but it I just, know. you know, hearing just some of the speeches, it, it's so um, moving and inspiring how plugged in they are and how keenly aware they are of really how much work we all collectively have left to do. Um, yeah. That's, yeah, that's huge. I, I'm curious, was there a, a a moment or an experience where you were like, would that inspired you to start Alluvium Gatherings or was it more an evolution of hmm. experiences that, that led to that? I mean, it was definitely an evolution and it was also like an opportunity that kind of got dropped to my lap. Um, the organization that I was uh, consulting with previous basically gave me uh, a six month entrepreneur in residence opportunity. So they offered me support for six months and some, some, some mentorship. Um, but really it was just like space and time uh, to focus on creating alluvium gathering. So I, I just took the opportunity and kind of was able to continue, build it into a continuation of what I was already doing. But I think on some level I've been headed in this path for a while, at least the last five years. That's so cool. Speaking of business, though, you've also been on the board of Be Local PDX. I'm curious what drew you to that work and, and what has that looked like? Hmm. I mean, it's a huge part of how I'm here, how I'm doing anything that I'm doing now. Um, I, I think I remember first finding out about B Corps maybe back in like 2012 or something. I saw it on the on the bag of a, a local grocery store that is here in the Portland area. And I saw that, you know, the B with the circle around it. And I was like, what is this? And so I like looked into it and, you know, started to learn a little bit more about what that means. And I was like, this is, this is great. This is rad. I think there's some really something interesting here. And so I kind of, you know, in the back of my mind, sent an, set an intention to someday work for a B Corp. And then at one point in my spiraling winding career i decided that i wanted to be a a woodworker and so i ended up just really luckily (laughs) uh getting an apprenticeship as a woodworker at a b corp furniture maker 
you know, I know, speaking of your involvement in the B Corp community, back in 2019, you and a handful of other B Corp leaders began developing a toolkit for B Corps to use to help better support LGBTQ plus workers and community members. I'm curious what spurred the start of that work? I think it was just the the idea that that there were a lot of ways and different policies and different um, ways of engaging with employees that could be, let's say, just like more thoughtful um, for the for the LGBTQ plus community. Um, I also was having a kind of personally weird experience with my employer at the time um, coming out as non-binary and the response was, it was just clear that they were like very unaware of what to do. Mm. There was no ill intention. Mm -hmm. And as we know, um, intent and impact are not the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it just made me realize like a lot of people just don't, they just don't know what to do. They don't have the tools to deal with this and it can cause a lot of harm, which is not, you know, ignorance is not really an excuse for causing harm, but I do think it's, it's an opportunity for education. So I think there was a few folks, you know, probably who had had either similar experiences or, you know, just could resonate. Uh, And we all were like, yeah, we were, you know, having just a, a, a conversation at champions retreat one year. And I think we just were like, wouldn't it be great if there was some, some standard policies, you know, the B Corp movement is always about sharing best practices. And we thought this could be a really good way to provide an opportunity to educate other businesses around how to show up for that community. That's really, really cool. That's, that's exciting. I, you know, I'm like torn on if we tease that we're working on it again or not. Um. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes, I think I think that's worth saying. You know, I think yeah. It 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 kind of fell by the wayside when the pandemic happened. You know, obviously we were we were in process of working on it. Pandemic happened, totally shifted everyone's priorities. Um, you know, everything kind of went back to like what's absolutely necessary right now. Mm, yeah. So that kind of uh, put it on hold. But I think. You know, there is some new energy around it. And I think just with what's been going on in this country and kind of across mm-hmm. the world, really, uh, around just the, the outright attack against especially trans people, but really the, the whole LGBTQ plus community. Uh, I, just, I just think there's, there's really no more time to be wasted on things like this. And uh, any anything that we can do as a B Corp community to further the rights and and show of support to the queer community, I think is is absolutely necessary. Yeah, agreed. I'm so curious, like on that thread, what are some ways that that you've been like, oh gosh, if only companies would do this thing, you know, like like what are some of the the things that for you would be like, oh my gosh, it would just be epic and amazing if we didn't ever have to worry about blah again i mean as simple as it is i feel like removing the awkwardness around pronouns would be a dream you know as someone who uses they them pronouns that's a real tough one for people um you know it's like 
I think people just, they are often really confused and uncomfortable. And I think there's a, even an awkwardness around people using, you know, like cis people saying their pronouns. There's certainly lots of people that don't feel awkward about it, which is great, but there is still a, quite a general um, awkwardness. And it's also, I think, um, you know, people have a hesitation around asking pronouns you know, I could, I can see that it, it might feel like a little invasive for some people. Um, but I think it's, if it were just non a non-issue, that would be a dream. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's a pronoun. Yeah. Pronoun is so interesting too, because it, it feels like such a simple, simple thing, but it, it's so huge and so important and can be so validating. Mm-hmm. Like, so, like, you know, something that might feel so small or little to somebody else is so can make or break somebody's day or week, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, that's super real. So, uh, you know, we're in pride month now. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, what is, what does pride mean to you? You know, I have gone back and forth on this. I think I have felt a little bit jaded by it at times just because I do see the kind of let's, you know, go party and wear rainbows and, uh, and then a bunch of major corporations will, um, create a banner and put themselves in a pride parade and hand out, uh, trash. (laughs) like swag little pieces of things that all literally are all gonna end up in the garbage Um, and i'm also like not a big fan of crowds (laughs) so there have been times when i'm like pride uh just not my jam i also feel really adamant about people holding uh their identities with a lot of complexity And, you know, yes, I am trans. Yes, I am queer. Yes, I am white. Yes, I am all these different things. I'm a person who has lived in the Pacific Northwest my entire life. You know, there are certain things. I'm a parent. I'm a spouse. You know, it's like there's a lot of different identities that I hold. And although queerness is a big part of my identity and my my transness is a big part of my identity it's not the only part of my identity so I think there is this um approach that sometimes I feel like pride can feel like where it's just this um homogenizing of of the lgbtq plus community it's like oh you you're all the same you probably all like to do this thing and here we are and everyone can relate to that so there's like there's that um side of it but I also think you know it is important to create space to honor people's identities honor their their genders their sexual orientations especially given that it's in such a um precarious place right now just the that general acceptance and tolerance and so I think that there isn't there's something really important about taking space to celebrate and um and and learn and remember the things that the people who have come before us who have been advocates who have been you know 
activists who have who have pushed and moved things forward and show some appreciation and respect and honoring their sacrifices. Um, so I think there is a really good place for it. I think it just, you know, comes with a lot of complexity, which I think any any sort of identity honoring month has, right? Mm, yeah, that's real. And and I, you know, something that's come up for me in some of my um, conversations with folks about pride is, you know, especially just given the current political climate is also this idea or concept of having to navigate fear and vulnerability mm-hmm. in, and in trying to find community and where, where it is actually safe and, uh, you know, safe, right? Like, right. like a lot of times we like to say it's a safe space, right? But like no safe, no space is ever actually safe. Right. Um, Cause we don't know what traumas people are bringing to spaces and um, yeah. And, and all of that, how have, I'm curious, like, how have you navigated, uh, you know, and just speaking for myself, I know, um, fear has been a lot more present for me in recent months and maybe years. Uh, yeah. And I'm just so curious, like, how are you, is that coming up for you? And, Mm -hmm. and if so, how are you navigating that? Yeah. I mean, I think I am really a uh, privilege to live in a place that is generally fairly tolerant of of trans identities and and the queer community in general i think uh you know the portland metro area is easily one of the safest in quotes um places to be lgbtq plus um in the country you know both, I mean, I technically live in Washington, but both Washington and Oregon have pretty rigid protections for people like me. And they also have a lot of policies that allow me to, to be who I am. You know, it wasn't a whole, it wasn't a huge deal for me to get my name changed. It wasn't a huge deal to change the gender marker on my ID. It, it was made pretty easy. I mean, you know, yes, there are hoops, but it was, I didn't have to, you know, go through endless amounts of of trauma um, to get that done. And so I think that feels really like a privileged place to be in. Um, So I think on a daily basis, it's not something that I'm confronted with as much as probably lots of other people in different places are. But I will say there are places that I just will not travel. Um, I don't feel like... I, I can. Um, I don't want to put myself in that experience of feeling fear and discomfort. But I do have um, a good amount of family who live in Montana, and I'm going to be going there this summer. And, you know, I think there is some fear there. However, I will also say, as a white person who is now leaning towards male passing, there is a huge amount of safety and privilege in that and actually in some ways i feel safer that now that i have a beard than i did when i was just a queer looking person you know i was visibly queer um that felt less safe than i do now 
in a lot of places. So I think there is something that's really important, I think, about the transmasculine, especially white transmasculine identities, that there is almost this like op- reversal of power that you mm-hmm. end up sitting in. And um, yes, I still, I still experience, you know, versions of marginalization and oppression. However, in some ways, that experience has been reduced by being a, a white male passing person. Um, and that also is challenging because then sometimes I feel like my queerness is invisible, which in times at certain points that I like that because it provides me safety. You know, if I'm in Montana in a bar out, you know, out of town and I walk into the bathroom, the men's bathroom, I'm probably okay. You know, before not so much. So there's a lot of kind of nuance, I think in that. Yeah, no, that's super real. And I would, um, I feel like I've had a very similar experience that uh, the, you know, I feel like I had a probably solid two or three years of my transition between where I was very visibly queer and like, there was no options about it. Like it just was, I was a very visibly queer person, but then it was like, as soon as I could grow facial hair, you know, um, and, and had some of that passing privilege. It was amazing how much safer I felt. Um, you know, which is, which is a privilege that a lot of folks don't have. Um, so that's, that's super real. Um, I'm curious, how would, how would you like to see businesses engage with pride? Hmm. You know, I think in the same way that I, I think businesses should be engaging with any uh, underrepresented or marginalized population, uh, which is showing up with time and capacity and money, uh, but but letting the folks that are in that space with those identities in leadership positions um, direct and guide how you're engaging. Um, I think there's, you know, you know, unfortunately, we still live in in a capitalist world, um, which means that money is 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 a resource in the sense that it provides ways for us to create other resources with that money and to um, to move move things forward, move ideas forward, programs forward, projects, whatever. And that's also how we honor people's time. Um, So I think money is a huge, huge piece of it. I think also, um, yes, I mean, I think statements are, you know, not meaningless. I think saying something about how, what it means to your company to show the queer community support is, is great as long as it's then you know backed up with action um i think commitments like i commit to doing this and this and this um and then following through on that great um 
you know, I think, yeah, I mean, the things that we're doing with the toolkit, you know, having policies in place that are supportive to the community, um, making sure that, you know, your, your, your workplace is a place that people feel like they can show up fully as their whole selves, you know, things like that. I think there's a lot of things, but that also depends on where you are. You know, if you're in a place like Florida, um, engage your lawmakers, you know, engage those elected officials, um, use your power, use that privilege and power that you have to take up space and, and shift conversations and demand uh, that people are honored and respected. I love that. I love that. Um, I, I'm curious with your, your work in the, in the B Corp space, are there certain policies or things that you've seen businesses institute where you're like, oh, that's super cool um, that maybe we're a little bit out of the box or? I think the one thing, and maybe even it was you that brought this up in, in one of our calls, I thought uh, the idea of having like relocation, like f- funding for for people who are in places that it's not safe to be who they are, or they can't access care, or their you know their kid is trans, and then all of a sudden their my kid might be get, be um, taken away if they are going to provide their kid with uh, gender affirming care, you know that kind of thing. It's like okay, I can't live here anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if your company you know values you know you as an employee, you know paying for relocation. Um, that's pretty radical. Um, I would say that's like, okay, you're a person, we value you. We under, we acknowledge that this is not a safe place for you to be, but we don't want you to um, lose your stability of your income and we appreciate the work that you do. So we'll help you get to a safer place. Um, that is an amazing idea and concept. Um, and that's that, like, that's like that difference between equity and equality you know mm, it's mm-hmm. like okay well we wouldn't be able to do that for everybody and it's like okay well it's not that's not what it's about you know it's about making sure right. that all of your employees are in a, a safe living environment mm-hmm. you know i think that's a pretty cool one i mean i think there's a lot of little things that you can do that kind of add up to a larger whole but that that's probably the one that i would be like whoa that's really cool and meaningful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what are some uh, actions that you think listeners can take, you know, regardless of what their role is in their company, uh, just to help support the LGBTQ plus community during Pride, but also all year round in a, you know, really meaningful way? You know, it sucks to feel like all you can do is call your elected officials. Um. But I don't, I think it's important to hold your elected officials accountable. Um, so that's definitely, you know, just keeping, keeping yourself aware of what's going on. You know, if there's policies that your lawmakers are supporting, and a lot of the stuff is going on in states, right? It's not necessarily at the national level. Some of it is, of course, but um, most of the the legislation right now is, is state-based. So um, I think getting involved in your, in your state's politics and, and your local politics and your school boards, 
you know, like that stuff, a lot of these fights are on your own, in your own backyard. These are not like things that are, oh, out there. Um, even in even in progressive places, there's still things that you can do. So I think engaging in, like not just assuming that that the only thing that's important is, you know, federal elections. Um, your local school board, your local city councilors, um, those, your mayor, I mean, all these things, that's, that's important. It's, it's actually, it can have huge impact on your daily life. So um, I think engaging in those ways is really valid. And also I think, you know, just being present and, and, showing up for a community i mean supporting your local like drag community you know going to their events giving them like you know money tips <laughs> um <laughs> like if if there's an ask in the world you know show up for that um there's a lot of people trans people who have to raise money for their gender affirming care so if that's a capacity i think you know like that's direct mutual aid um, so I think stuff like that, I think also just, just because it's something that's not necessarily, um, your own experience or your own identity doesn't mean that you can't learn about it. Um, mm. cause there's, there are, you exist in a world where there are many, many different identities. And as much as we need to kind of you know, know ourselves really well, it's also valuable and can be really eye-opening to, um, to engage and learn about other identities. So I think there's that too. Yeah. A lot of that like self-learning, mm-hmm. self-education. Yeah, absolutely. Any tips for folks looking to use business as a force for good in general? Mm. Um, I think what I, love so much about the B Corp community. It's just that there's this like mutual uh, support. And I think, I think the biggest differentiator with uh, a purpose-driven business community is that you don't come at it with this idea of being competitive. That's a scarcity mindset. That's not gonna get us anywhere um fear and aggression and guilt and shame and all of these like you know valid but maybe not constructive emotions and and feelings are are just not going to be a successful approach so i think it's to me there's all these like you know logistical kind of pragmatic and governance kind of factors that play into what it means to be using business as a force for good. But I think it's also about like, what is the energy you're bringing? How are you showing up as a person? Can you be authentic? Can you be your whole self? And can you uh, acknowledge that like your success is my success and our success is, is everyone's success. And uh, I think I love that there is that uh, willingness to um, to be open to that. And I think there's there's not this like, oh, you do the same thing as me. 
are you going to take my clients or am I going to like, can I take your clients? Kind of, there's not that vibe. It's like, oh my gosh, cool. We do the same thing. Is there a way that we could collaborate or maybe we could learn from each other or, you know, what has worked for you? And, oh, great. That's a great skill. Like, thanks for teaching me that. It's, it's very, um, it's very collaborative. And I think that's yeah. the way you got to approach it. Yeah, that's super real. I think that's one of the things, one of my favorite things about this community. I, and it, I don't know. I feel like every opportunity to like meet folks or be in community or in space, it always just, this is going to sound so cheesy, but it just feels like a big, like warm hug, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I love that. I love that. Uh, anything else you'd like to share? Any, any parting wisdom or any other things that um, you want to touch on? I don't know. I think, I think that one of the things that I'm most passionate about that kind of ties into why I, I do event planning for a living is uh, just the importance of having a, a really strong sense of place. Um, it's part of my theory of change. You know, it's just that I think, you know, the best way to get people to feel, feel like they want to be contributing positively to the world is for them to have a positive attachment to their community and the place that they're in and an an understanding of it and knowledge of it. And I think that's something that globalization and capitalism and colonialism uh, have kind of ripped away from us in a lot of different ways. And so people, you know, they're, they don't know much about where they are or the land that they're on or what, you know, the primary, um, ecology is in a space where the the places that have cultural significance who's in your community who are they do you know them um who are you what is your place in this community do you know do you have a a trust and a relationship with your own identity that ties you to a place um i think having a strong sense of place is is what gets people to feel like they care. It's that like healthy attachment and res- feeling of responsibility. Not necessarily like ownership. It's, it's I think more like I, I am responsible for being my best self for this place so that we can all thrive. And I think coming at it from that perspective, again, it's a, it's a, it's also like another kind of abundance versus scarcity mindset. But I think having, having that connection, that knowledge, and that intimacy with place um, is maybe one of the, the best things that we can do for humanity at this point. I love that. And I feel like, and this is something that um, you also had on your site too that really resonated with me. I feel like there's also an inherent piece of reciprocity in that too. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, that is also so powerful. Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah, so glad you said that. I think just to be clear, like this is all um, knowledge and wisdom that has been held by indigenous peoples since time immemorial. You know, we're, we're learning from that wisdom and that wisdom has existed and has been, you know, carried down and passed down for thousands of generations. So I think that that's, you know, I'm not, I'm not coming at this from a, 
I made this up and this is my idea and this is really cool. This is what I think. Um, it's coming from a, it really deeply resonates with me based on my own life experience, personal experience, but also from what I've learned from, particularly from indigenous people. Um, and so that to me is just important to say that. Thank you so much for tuning into the series. If you want to learn more about alluvium gatherings, I've provided a link in the show notes for you. And if you're enjoying this content, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps more people just like yourself find this content. Till next time, be responsibly different. This episode was produced by yours truly, Ben Marine, with music from B Corp certified Marmoset Music. To learn more about Responsibly Different, visit responsiblydifferent.com. This podcast channel is a production of the B Corp certified and 1% for the Planet member media consultancy, Dirigo Collective. To learn more about Dirigo Collective, visit Dirigo, that's D as in dog, I R I G O collective.com.